you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. A beautiful psalm talking about the importance of God's word. As we discussed this morning, the importance of spiritual fitness, the importance of spiritual disciplines, tonight we'll unpack two of the disciplines, one Bible intake, or Bible reading and Bible hearing, and prayer. We'll look at these both in two aspects. Uh, Often when we think about spiritual disciplines, we think of it solely in terms of personal, individual Uh, But there's both individual aspects to this, but also corporate together aspects of these disciplines that we need to pay attention to if we're going to do them justice. So first we're going to dive right in with Bible intake. First and foremost, God is a God who speaks. God is a God who speaks. He speaks audibly. In the beginning, God spoke the world into existence. He spoke and called Abraham to himself to create for himself a set-apart people. Once these people were enslaved, he spoke to Moses in a burning bush to set in motion his rescue plan. Then he spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, telling them how they should live and how they should be different from the nations. So our God is a God who acts, and often his action is tied to his speech. As time progressed, we see that not only is God speaking audibly in the Old Testament, he speaks in and through Jesus. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity who came to this earth. And the speech of Jesus changes things. It calms storms. It brings new life. Think about uh, the account of Lazarus. He spoke and said, rise up, and he rose. The speech of God brought life to the planet, and the speech of the God-man brought life back to someone who had been dead. And even now, the speech of Jesus continues through the Word of God, through the Bible. So that's the God speaks through the Bible. Uh, I think we have a tendency as Christians to belittle, or maybe not belittle, but we'll acknowledge that the Bible is the Word of God. But do we understand what that means? The gravity that we have the very words that God wants us to have in this book. I I don't think we can wrap our minds around that. 
In fact, I'm going to pause for a second and just pray that just God gives us just what we need as we continue to look at this and think about this because, oh, we don't do it justice. Father, as we look at your word, as we understand its importance in our life and how we should be uh, delighting in it, as the psalmist declares how amazing it is, God, so often our, our judgment's clouded by our sin by our, our fallenness, God, by uh, just, just being distracted. We don't understand what your word is. God, give us hearts. Soften our hearts. Change our hearts. Help us to see the beauty, the majesty, the awe-inspiring majesty of your word. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We think of the Bible as the word of God. The Bible actually tells us that it's the word of God. In fact, Jesus does. Uh, think about this. In Matthew 19, 3 to 4, uh, Jesus is, is debating. And when he's doing that, he, he, he uses a, a phrase. He, said, he answered them and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man should leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. So he's quoting Genesis 2, verse 24. Well, let's look at Genesis 2, verse 24. Therefore, you can flip there if you, you like. Therefore, a, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So Jesus is saying, have you not read that the one who created all things said this? And then he quotes Genesis 2, verse 24. When we look at Genesis 2, 24, uh, we, some things are missing. Think about this. He who created them said. He marks this off as a quote from the creator God. We look in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. It's simply scripture stating this. Moses penning scripture. Writing. God created them this way. So what Jesus is saying is when Scripture speaks, God speaks. The Bible is God's Word. Fascinating. Powerful. It makes a difference. So we need to understand first that God is a God who speaks because this changes our posture towards the Word of God. But then how do we listen? How do we listen? First, we listen through preaching and teaching. Uh, preachers and teachers God has given us. Sometimes when we think about how do we listen to God's word, we might default to Bible reading or, or individual time, just us and the Lord. Um, but what we have to understand is that's really novel. Right? That's new onto the scene of Christianity. Uh, when these letters were written to the churches, they were meant to be read in the churches, to be taught in the churches. Having a Bible in our, in our hands, taking it uh, home with us, reading it, studying it, that is very modern. Right? That's a blessing, and we'll talk about that. But that's very modern. Right? And one thing that we can neglect when it comes to this modern ages that, w- that we live in is the importance of learning together, of growing together. In fact, Uh, Ephesians 4 lays out the importance of learning from others. 
It says he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of of Christ. So he's laying this out in Ephesians and saying, these are the offices, these are the the people that he's given to the church to build the church up. Some of these have passed away and others remain to continue to build up the body of Christ. And so preachers and teachers... In fact, Hebrews 13, verse 17 says that those who teach, are, they have to give account for what they teach. It's a heavy calling. So even though authority can be abused, the idea of learning and growing from leaders in the church is a biblical concept, not a man-made concept. So with that in mind, we can understand that God has called individuals to local churches for the good of his people. Uh, this is the authority is in the word of God, not in the people. They're called, I am called, to help you understand and be shaped by the truths of this book. We have to ask the question, do we come to learn? Do we prepare our hearts to come to learn, to sit under the word of God? Next, teachers God has given teachers both in the local church, but also in the universal church. In the local church, but also in uh, the universal churches. When we, t- we talked about uh, the, through our doctrinal statement, we had sermons on Sunday nights through the doctrinal statement. Um, we talked about the difference between the local church and the universal church. Right? First Baptist is an example of a local church. And all Christians everywhere make up the universal church. The scripture assumes that those who belong to the universal church are part of a local church. The local church is where we rub shoulders with other Christians. We're able to bear each other's burdens. But even though we're part of a local church, that doesn't mean that we can't benefit from the larger universal church. In fact, I would say that the main course is the local church, but there are many appetizers and desserts all over the place. And we'd be foolish not to take advantage of them. Um, one way to take advantage of the universal church is to listen to gifted teachers and preachers. I can't remember the last time I personally listened to the radio. Not because I don't like the radio or don't like music, but because I have uh, kind of sermon and, and Bible teaching uh, podcast, podcast playlists, right? Because other churches from, uh, and, and pastors from around the world build into me. They teach. It's a great gift. We've said this before, but one thing I'd recommend is, is Al Moeller. He has a podcast called The Briefing. Right? Just Google Moeller The Briefing right? and listen to his, his kind of radio broadcast online or on a podcast every day. Kind of dissecting the, the, the news from a Christian worldview. Right? Um, how, how do we to think about these? How th- are we going to wrestle through some of these things? That's a great gift to the church. And we can benefit from those things. Books, blogs, they're another way that we can learn. There are a lot of good things out there. There's dangerous things as well. We have to be discerning. But we should be taking advantage of that. Next, we can listen by Bible reading. Bible reading. It's a perfect time of the year to talk about Bible reading because... (laughs) 
Uh, New Year's is upon us, and often that's when Bible reading plans uh, start off. <clears throat> but here's one thing that we have to keep in mind. Do we have a plan? Right? Having goals and a plan is essential. Right? Just like working out, if we don't have a plan to st- and stick to it, uh, it often doesn't get done. Are you geared up with a Bible reading plan? Right? It's a broad question. Right? We're not ask- asking how much do you plan to read. What time of the day do you plan to read? Where do you plan to read? But do you have a plan in place? One thing to keep in mind is if we haven't been regularly reading our Bible, start small. It's one thing to say, I I haven't been reading my Bible at all. I've been neglecting it. And therefore, I'm going to read 25 chapters a night. Uh, That might be unrealistic uh, for us. But sometimes sticking to a Bible reading plan and saying, I'm going to try to read it through the Bible a year and other people are going to hold me accountable, that might be a little bit more realistic. Or it might be realistic to say, I'm going to read a psalm a night and pray it back to the Lord. There's many different plans. There's, uh, the point is, are we getting into the Word of God? Are we reading it? Um, I did put on the Welcome Center uh, a bunch of Bible reading plans um, it's a popular one uh, of, of working through the Bible in a year. Uh, the neat thing about that is there's a little website below it, and they have a, uh, a podcast kind of website that you can go to and listen to somebody kind of explaining and giving a broad overview of some of those, um, some of those chapters each day. So you can kind of go along with reading the Bible, but also listening to some teaching uh, alongside, and that's a great, great way to do it. I think about Bible reading was have to understand the difference between daily reset planning and yearly tracking planning. So maybe you, you're the type of person that having a yearly plan, that's good for you. And you're going to stick with that, and that's a good goal, that's a lofty goal, and you want to do it. And others, it might make sense to simply, today I'm going to read my Bible. <laughs> and tomorrow you get up and say, today I'm going to read my Bible. And every day is a, is a new day. And you're committing each day, having short goals tangible goals. For some, to have a plan is great because you can stick to it. For others, it's exhausting because if you miss two days, might as well try again next year. Lastly, as we talked about this morning, we can't confuse law and grace. We're doing something knowing that this is a benefit to us, knowing that's a gracious thing that God has extended to us. Not turning it into law. And lastly, we need to understand as far as the, for the, the Bible reading, we need to understand that the God who speaks is for you. We need to know the character of the, the God who speaks. The God who speaks does so in order that we might know him. Think about that for a minute. God is so much more than we can ever fully comprehend. In our little minds, we might think about God a little bit, but we could never fully comprehend one thing about God. But God, in his grace and love, gave us a book so that we can truly know him. 
To say that we can't understand the Bible is to say that God is a lousy communicator. Sure, it takes study and effort, but the main things are obvious. God gave us this book because he wants us to grow. It's more than words on a page. It's an instrument that he uses to change us. We can't miss the beauty that the God who speaks, the God who gives us this book is for us. How often do we approach Bible reading and Bible reading plan like, if I don't read every day, God's going to be mad at me. Instead of understanding, well, regardless, while we're at our worst, God, out of his love, sent Jesus to take our place, to be obedient in our place. And we are fully forgiven. We are justified in his sight because of Jesus. And he gives us his book and says, come near to me. I want you to know me. Drink it in. Well, Bible reading and being in the word of God is essential for the Christian life, but so is prayer. Again, in each of these, we're not giving a comprehensive picture of Bible reading or the Bible or prayer, but hopefully it's an introduction to get us into these practices. I would recommend a, a good book if you want to, want to study more about prayer. Is, is Tim Keller has a book um, on prayer. Uh, excellent, um, comprehensive, um, in-depth study um, on prayer. But first, as we look at this idea of prayer, we have to understand the first and most key. We can enjoy talking to God. The beauty of what it means to have God's ear. That God hears us. That he listens to us. That God is attentive to us. The God who created the entire universe cares what we say. (laughs) It wants to hear from us. That's astounding. Just think of the scene with, um, with Esther and she's going to the king. And she... She's nervous because she doesn't know if the king will receive her, and, and she holds out the staff, and, and if, uh, <coughs> if, if he holds out the staff, then, then, then she's welcomed, and then there, there's peace, and there's comfort, and there's this, so much of this unknown, this tension when she's going, will he receive me, will he not? Will he listen to my request? Will he care what I say? As Christians, we never have that worry. And it's not because of us. Like, positionally, we we shouldn't be anywhere near God. But his grace is extended because of Jesus. We have access because of the mediator, because of Jesus. That's an amazing thing. We have the ear of God. 
But we also need to understand that sin in our life can cause distance in prayer. You feel a separation in our prayer because of, of sin. And often this is not because God doesn't have, we don't have full access if we turn from sin and, and go to God, but often it's when sin is in our life, we, we don't go to God. It's, it's like if you're driving down the road and you blow through 15 stop signs and then you see a cop. You're a little nervous uh, about the cop and if he pulls out. You're not like, great, somebody's here to protect me. Like, I just did that and I wonder if he knows. Sometimes we can have the same timid type approach with God? Is the one person that we need to turn to, we need to run to, the one who is ready to forgive with open arms that we feel distanced from because of our sin? What do you need to confess? What do you need to cry out to him and confess in your life? What might be hindering your prayer life? Second, we could pray in secret. If we understand the importance of prayer, that we can enjoy talking to God, what does it look like in real life? Well, three things we want to talk about tonight is pray in secret, pray together, and pray regularly. Pray in secret, pray together, and pray regularly. Uh, Jesus says secret prayer is important. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners. They may be seen uh, by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to the Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He's not saying that it's ever wrong to pray in public, but he is emphasizing that the heart attitude of prayer and what is done in secret is the core essence of our prayer life. We should make time for secret prayer. If you're like me, you might need to set aside time each day for private prayer. You need to schedule it or it won't get done. I think about that. It might feel awkward or just hit the ears weird of a scheduling an appointment with God in your calendar. But we do that all the time, don't we? I'm blocking out this section of time so that I can meet with this person. And some of us, it's really important to schedule a time so that we can meet with God. An undistracted time. Too often, our prayer time, our prayer life, God gets the leftovers. When we say, what's the best time for you to pray, pray immediately we think of, what, when do you have the least amount going on? Right? Or when uh, are you the least busy? It's not, when are you the most alert? When will God have primary focus? 
But think about those times. And if possible, schedule that out. This is the time I'm making for God. Third, and this is important for to just spur on our, our prayer life, remember answered prayers. Uh, sometimes we can go through seasons where it seems like we're just going through the motions. And it can be helpful to remember answered prayers. Write down times when God has answered prayer. Whether it's the answer you were wanting or when he showed you that his plan was better than what you ever could dream. Once a month, read over a couple of the answered prayers. Thank God for his goodness. And one couple that does this once a year in the new year, they kind of reflect on the answered prayers the past year. A helpful practice to spur on praying. Think of the life of, of, of God's people in the Old Testament and how many markers of remembrance did they have for what, when God delivered. Third, pray together. So while secret prayer is kind of the overflow of our life with God, we could say it's a, an exhale in the Christian life. Like we're inhaling God's word. Then we're exhaling in prayer. Uh, Tim Keller uh, defines it as it's a necessary response in words to what, God, to what we know is true about God. So it starts with knowledge. It starts to, with what we know about God, with God communicating to us and us responding to him in prayer. He is the initiator. He initiated relationship with us by his grace. We respond in prayer. We are called to bear one another's burdens, and Paul gives example after example of his prayers for the people of the various churches that he writes to in his letters. Even if we just look at how the early church grew in the book of Acts, we, should, we see the importance of praying together. The importance for the church in the book of Acts. Just look at a, a few of these examples. Praying together is explicit at nearly every turn in the book of Acts. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 1.14, Acts 2.42. They lifted up their voices together to God, Acts 4.24. And the filling of the Holy Spirit fell after they prayed, Acts 4.31. The church chose seven and they prayed and laid their hands on them, Acts 6, verse 6. When Peter was in prison, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church, Acts 12, verse 5. And when he escaped miraculously, they found that many were gathered together and were praying, Acts 12, verse 12. It was after fasting and praying that the church in Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas out on their first missionary journey, Acts 13, verse 13. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord, Acts 14, verse 23. Even in jail, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God together. Acts 16, verse 25. And in the emotional goodbye to the Ephesian elders, Paul knelt down and prayed with them all. Acts 20, verse 36. And Acts 21, verse 5. 
prayers throughout the book of Acts. Praying together, the early church bonded, the other church was together through the act of prayer. The rest of the time, here tonight I want to look at different tips for praying together and benefits for praying together. I'm pulling these from David Mathis's book, Habits of Grace. Habits of Grace, which you marches through some of these spiritual disciplines. First, tips for praying together. Make it regular. Schedule times to pray with others and give it a time frame. This helps keep you motivated and less likely to skip a time. The shorter window. We schedule this each week uh, in youth group. Students have an opportunity to pray each week with our countdown video. And we have a countdown video, it counts down, and we have different things each week that we tell them, we're going to pray for this. Outside of themselves, not request, but we're going to pray for other youth groups. We're going to pray for the persecuted church. We're going to pray for these different things. Scheduled times uh, to pray. Um, in high school, Sunday school, we pray through the Acts model each week. Sure, Sunday school classes, adult Sunday school classes, there's, there's times of prayer. Bible study, there's times of prayer. Right? Um, we have different prayer groups. Right? Actively participate. Right? Treasure that time of praying together, that regular time. Have other times outside of the organized gathering of, of praying with other Christians. Another tip, start with the Bible. If this is an exhale of the Christian life, if this is a response to God, it makes sense to have something to respond to. Start by reading a portion of Scripture. You can use the portion of Scripture to pray it back to God if you'd like. Or just to understand God's truth for you. Here's another uh, practical tip that, that he gives in I think this can be helpful. Of, cor- of course, it depends on the situation, but uh, limiting share time. Right? So if we're not careful, we can spend all our time sharing things that are going on, our prayer request, and never actually praying. That might be appropriate at specific settings. Um, but if the reason that you're meeting is to pray, sometimes you can just jump right into praying. Jump into praying and be specific in your requests so that other people know and understand what's on your heart what's burdening you they can pray for those things as well encourage each other to pray with enough details to let the others know about the specific needs or struggles so don't make I'm sure if you've been part of church life for, for a while you've been part of that where let's get together to pray uh, turns into just sharing prayer requests and never actually praying. Um, stay short and focused. When praying together, the point is not to impress, it's not to, to ramble. Right. Long prayers can either lead to others not joining in with you or at worst form of a, a kind of competitiveness of each trying to outdo each other because they feel inadequate or they don't have as much to pray about. Short focus prayers can be more helpful. Um, it might make sense if you're praying with a group to encourage 
just praying to a, f- a few sentences. Pray with others in mind. Right? Our prayers are directed to God, of course, but they do benefit other people. Jesus, Jesus often prayed we, bringing others into his prayers with him. It is vital that we keep in mind others as we pray. Yes, we're praying to God. He's our audience. But prayers also edify those around us. And it's okay to keep that in mind. Uh, there's several benefits of praying together. Uh, David Mathis says, uh, for added power. Right? When brothers gather together to pray there's uh, there's something special there for multiplied joy when we share the joy of prayer we double our joy when we make the regular practice of praying together with fellow believers uh, we bring ourselves into company of hearing other prayers of being with other Christians of hearing their heart increases our joy and theirs. Greater glory to God. 2 Corinthians 1.11 You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. Many are giving thanks, many are glorifying God because of the prayers for fruitful ministry and mission. God means for us to pray for each other in our various ministries and ways that we're carrying out his mission. Paul modeled this in asking the churches to pray for his gospel work. Romans 15, verses 30 to 32, 2 Corinthians 1, 11, Ephesians 6, 18 to 20, Colossians 4, 3 to 4, 2 Thessalonians 3, 1. He, he was more than able to pray for these things for, by himself. But he anticipated there would be greater fruitfulness in the work when others joined him in prayer. Are you asking other people to pray for your witness in the workplace? Opportunities that God has given you. Bringing them along with you in prayer. For unity among believers. Praying together is is one of the most significant things we can do to cultivate unity in a local church. There's a unity that is given to those who share in their prayer life, who pray together in one accord, as Acts 1.14 says. They're in unity of spirit. And praying together is vital for unity. We're together on mission. We're crying out to God together for him to carry out his mission in First Baptist Church. Think about even various ministries at First Baptist. Praying together. Asking God bless the endeavors of the nursery ministry. Of Kids Blast. Of Word of Life. Of Prime Timers. May you be glorified through this group. That's a unifying thing. Also for 
answers we might not otherwise get. James 5, 14 to 16, bring them to the elders, have them pray for them. And there's something special um, to that. To learn and grow in our prayers. The best way to learn to pray is to pray with others who have had their prayers shaped by the scriptures. Listen for those around you who are acquainted enough with God in prayer as they draw other people into communion with God as they pray. Give careful attention to their approach to God, to the kinds of things they thank Him for, the kinds of things that they ask for, and how they keep others in mind. Many, perhaps even in this room, have been impacted by other people praying. By hearing their eagerness to commune with God. To know each other. One of the best ways to know fellow believers is by praying together. It is in prayer, in the conscious presence of God, that we're most likely to let all the fake facade fall away. We hear each other's hearts. When we pray together, not only do we reveal what captures our hearts and what we truly treasure, but we can tell if a person is on speaking terms with God. To know each other. To know Jesus more. The greatest benefit in praying together is that we know Jesus better when we pray together. In his name. With other people who love him. With our limited vision and perspective, there are parts of Christ that we're prone to neglect. And that only come out with the clarity of others. Our experiences and personalities emphasize some aspects of who God is and make us blind to others. We have a great ability to inflate God as a bigger version of ourselves. It's hard to do when we're with other people. Tim Keller says this, by praying with friends, we will be able to hear and see facets of Jesus that we have not yet perceived. And since the greatest purpose of prayer is not getting things from God, but growing in our relationship with God. Maybe this benefit alone is enough for us to pray with other people, to pray with others, to cry out to God with other Christians. We were meant to do this Christian life together. God did not save us on an island just by ourselves, but he placed us in this corporate body. Let's take advantage of it. Let's take advantage of it in our prayer life. Yes, let's pray earnestly in secret, but let's bring that together. One of the biggest... We list all these benefits and think through them, and I think one of the biggest shames is, is sometimes we can be 
scared or timid to pray together. So we're praying with other Christians, and, and we don't want to pray. We, we don't want to we don't want to say it because we're nervous or we're scared, and, and I get that. But we could be robbing other people from the benefit of our prayers. If we're not careful, that can be a, a, a form of selfishness. I think it's a temptation that we can fall into. God's grace is enough to cover. Let's not neglect it. Let's enter into it. Understand the gift that it is. Lastly, let's pray regularly. Perhaps the most important thing of both Bible reading and praying is to make it a regular habit. Is to do it. The more we do it, the more comfortable we become. This is not like cheesecake, rich, and you eat one bite and you're done. Kind of upsets your stomach a little bit. Much more like Lay's potato chips. Can't just eat one, right? It just keeps coming. The more that we pray, the more we develop the habit. And we can't be afraid of developing the habit. There's many things that we do each and every day because we know they're good for us. We brush our teeth. We put on deodorant. We take a shower. There are certain things that we do every day, and we do them because we know they're good for us. And often, perhaps it's, again, a a snare of Satan, right? But we look at this idea of of reading our Bible every day, of praying to God, and we say, uh, if, I, if I do that every day, if I kind of schedule that out, that's just way too rigid, that's way too uh, planned. Um, I don't know. The more we schedule it, the more we plan it, the more we do it, the more it will become natural. The more habits will turn to just lifestyle. Many in this room have vibrant prayer lives. Perhaps you have a vibrant prayer, private prayer life. But it's been a while since you've really opened up and prayed with other people. Maybe you're really attentive to coming to hear God's word taught or preached. Maybe you read a lot of books. But it's been a while since you dove into scripture and just meditated on God's truth. Where are you at tonight? I pray that wherever we're at, God challenges us and confronts us because there's nothing more important than knowing him through his word and communicating with the God of the universe. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you give it to us so that we can have access to you, so that we can know who you are. God, we're not left guessing who you are, but you have told us who you are and what we need in your Bible. God, I thank you that you give us access to you by simply talking. God, right now I know that I'm talking to you. Not because of me, 
not because of anybody in this room, not because of what we've done as a church, but God, because you've given us access through Jesus. What can we say but wow? Forgive us when we neglect these amazing gifts. Stir in our heart a desire for you. We need it, God. I need it. Help us to make our lives about you. Kill our selfishness. Help us reflect your son. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.